Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to the second half of our first season of Husky Talk. Today we'll be talking with the host of the podcast, I Did a Pod, Casey Grove. Hi Casey, thanks for being on our show today. Hi, who am I talking to? Leanne. Rive. We like to start off our podcast by asking all of our guests who or what inspired you to get involved in the I Did a Rod. Well, so um, I'm a reporter and uh, I... I'm originally from Fairbanks, Alaska, um, and so dog mushing's kind of just been around um, kind of my whole life, uh, just living up here. Um, but when I got into journalism, um, there would be different stories kind of related to uh, sled dog races like the Yukon Quest or the Iditarod. Um, in fact, I think when I was in college at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, uh, one year the Iditarod uh, restarted in Fairbanks um, in 2003, and so when I was just kind of getting started out as a journalist in college, uh, I went and covered that um, and did a story about it, and different times um, kind of along the way, like, uh, you know, I'd be involved in stories about dog mushing. Um, I moved to Anchorage in 2006, and you guys know the the ceremonial start of the Iditarod happens here in Anchorage, and so it's kind of a big event for all the different news outlets in town um, to kind of cover that and have a part in covering it. And then I've been lucky enough to actually go out on the trail um, a couple times and cover it on the trail and see kind of the whole race um, up close and personal. Can you explain to our listeners what your podcast is about? the Iditarod, but we talk a lot about dog mushing in general, um, and I think in one of the episodes, kind of getting ready for the race, we talked about the Yukon Quest, which is this other thousand-mile sled dog race. It, it goes from Fairbanks to Whitehorse in Canada, or from Whitehorse to Fairbanks, it alternates. Um, we talked about that a little bit, and then we had questions from people. Um, in fact, I think you guys sent us a question. Um and sometimes those questions are just about dog mushing in general, um, kind of how it works and uh, how the dogs behave and different things like that. But um, for the most part, it's about the the Iditarod race itself. And we did a lot of updates on the race and where different mushers were. Um, my colleague, uh, Zach Hughes, was out on the trail and uh, he, would, he would send in stories about the race and kind of give us updates on what was going on. There, our, our normal work is uh, for, for public radio, for the statewide public radio network. So um, stories that get filed to us um, will broadcast out for the whole state. And so he was, he was working on stories um, for that and, and then also for the podcast. And um, we did a kind of a special like morning report for the Iditarod too. So it, it kind of all worked together like that. Okay, what do you enjoy most about doing the podcast? What do I enjoy most about it? That's a good question. Um, I think it's fun, and I, I think uh, a lot of people that cover the Iditarod would agree that it's fun to kind of, you know, step away from the work that you are normally doing, sort of that normal daily news reporting, and do something kind of fun and uplifting, and it's a little bit more exciting um, there's a lot of developments that happen kind of day to day in the Iditarod um, I mean this year there was some more controversy around it so it was a little bit different but for the most part it's a uh, 
trying to make it through the race, not really that they're trying to win the race necessarily, but they're just trying to like live through it. And that's kind of exciting. Um, and you kind of get to be a part of that. Um, you're not, it's not as hard, you know, on anybody, uh, as it is on the mushers and on the dogs out there experiencing the weather and the cold and just these long, you know, runs, uh, through the wilderness. Um, but definitely you kind of get caught up in the momentum of the whole thing and you, you know, you lose a little bit of sleep, but it's kind of this fun, different thing that you get to be a part of. How long have you been doing the podcast? I've only been doing it uh, for this one season. It, this is the second season that we've done it, and um, there was a different host last year. Uh, his name was Josh Edge, and um, we had the same one. Well, one of the two reporters that was out on the trail was the same. That was Zach Hughes that I was telling you about. Um, but for me, uh, this was my first year doing it. So when we started doing the first couple episodes before the race in like late February, that was when I first got involved in it. Um, so it was still, it was pretty new to me. And then of course the race, you know, happens over, um, basically over a couple weeks, the, the top teams finish in eight or nine days usually, but like the, the whole event itself is over about a couple weeks and then it's over. So it's kind of, it's kind of this crazy thing where you figure out what you're doing, especially for me being kind of a rookie to the podcast. And then, you know, you kind of hit your stride at some point in there and you know what you're doing and then it kind of ends. <laughs> uh, and then you kind of go back to your regular job. How do you come up with the stories you do for your podcast? Um, well, so I, I kind of was the host mostly. So I was just um, in, the, in the studio back uh, here in Anchor Triumph now. And the story ideas um, kind of come from the reporters out in the field. Um, so I kind of, I take what, what stuff they send me. And then I also would look at like the, the standings and um, there's that GPS tracker. You can kind of see what's going on by like rewinding that and looking back at it um, and sort of replaying what happened maybe while you were asleep for a few hours or whatever. Um, but I can tell you from being out on the trail in the past, um, the story ideas oftentimes, um, it's a combination of sort of pre-planning and knowing like where you're going to be and what might be relevant to that area that you're in or that, that village that you're in. And then also just kind of keeping your eyes open and seeing what happens because it's, um, there's a lot of different teams. There's a lot of, you know, dogs, there's a lot of different things going on that, um, when you, you, when you see a story, it's just there's things happening all around you that you're just trying to pay attention to and try to be ready to cover. Um, so two different examples of that. Like I would say um, in 2014, um, the race, there was kind of low snow in this area called the Dalzell Gorge, and the teams that came through that uh, had a really hard time uh you know, bumping over stumps and running into rocks and things because there just wasn't a lot of snow uh, filling in the trail. And so when they arrived in this one checkpoint called Nikolai, um, the story just became that. It was not maybe expected to be as bad as it was, but people were showing up with broken sleds and they were really beat up. There was there was a guy whose um, sled, the, the line got wrapped around a tree and it broke the line and the dogs got you know, 
people kept running and he had to run and catch up with them. And so that was kind of this crazy thing that you just weren't expecting necessarily. But then that became the story. You just had to be ready to cover it. Um, and then sort of the opposite of that maybe is the next year in 2015, the race was going through um, some villages that it had never really gone through before that were very uh, important to dog mushing and dog mushing is very important to these villages. So even before we ever got there, we knew that sort of culturally that that was going to be an important story to tell that um, dog mushing, this big event, basically the Super Bowl of dog mushing, the Iditarod was coming through their villages and that there was going to be an interesting kind of aspect to the race uh, coverage just because of that. So kind of two different ways to look at it. Um, do you have a good following for your podcast, would you say? I don't know. I'm curious how many uh, subscribers you guys have. Uh, we, we're still kind of like looking at it. I can tell you that from last year, uh, the the uh, first year, I think people were still kind of getting used to it. And we definitely had a lot of people who had listened to the podcast last year and enjoyed it and then were eager to hear it again this year. And I think we, it's hard to say exactly how many subscribers, and we, we switched hosting services, so it's, the statistics are a little different, but um, it seems like it just about doubled uh, the number of people that were listening to it. Uh, and I think that's just, the guys did a really good job last year, and they attracted a lot of attention, and then uh, people wanted to hear it again for the second season. So it was kind of new last year. Um, and, you know, I mean, still kind of new this year because, like I was saying, it, it's just over this very um, finite amount of time that this race happens and then then it's over. So there's only, you know, we did 16 episodes this year. I think they did 16 or 17 last year. Um, so even though it's over two years, it's really, it's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that many episodes. I think people were really... Uh, eager to to hear it again, and it yeah it um it it doubled so yeah. Okay. Um. What hosting site do you go through? This year we were using uh one called Libsyn. It's short for uh, Liberated Syndication. Um. But it's l i d s y n dot com. And then uh, last year I think they used SoundCloud. Uh, for most of the race, and I think they had to uh, migrate to a different site, but the um, which means they just had to take all the audio and put it somewhere else. Um, and I think that just had to do with um, kind of ease of use and the cost of the service. Um, but this year we had Libsyn the whole time. Yeah, we go through SoundCloud. Do you? Yeah. Do you guys like that one? Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's funny because it, the people that listen to the podcast, I don't know if maybe you guys have experienced this too, but they, I don't think that they really know, you know, where it comes from necessarily. If you get it on your phone or, you know, you're just downloading it somewhere, you might not even notice where it's hosted, you know, especially like for people that just listen on their podcast app on their iPhone, maybe they just see it pop up and it's, they don't, you know, that part of it doesn't matter to them. But so it's interesting to hear you ask about that. <laughs> Sounds like you guys know your, your podcasting <laughs> business. Um, 
Um, did you have a favorite musher you were rooting for this year? Um, you know, I'm kind of, it's, it, I think the journalistic answer is like, no, I, I, I'm not supposed to have a favorite. Um, the, you know, you're supposed to stay objective as a journalist and not really, you know, root for anybody in particular. But I can tell you, I think, you know, some of us after the past several years of either Dallas or Mitch CV winning it, um, we were pretty excited to see somebody else just because it kind of changes things up a little bit. And the, the weather this year was pretty harsh. I mean, you might have noticed that um, when your Olsen won it, uh, it wasn't even close to one of the fastest times, which tells you that the, the trail had been kind of slow and there had been some obstacles along the way. And just from a reporting standpoint, it's kind of more interesting the more difficult the race is. Um, there's just there's just more there. It's just a richer story usually. Um, but you know, I I, uh, I don't know. I've got a few different people that I I follow pretty closely. I got, I said I'm from Fairbanks and so from Interior Alaska, and so I, I kind of like um, you know paying attention to the Interior mushers because there's there are people from all over the state and in different parts of the world even. And so it's kind of fun to see like the people that are basically from my hometown, you know, to see them doing well. So I, I kind of, um, I follow like Alan Moore and Ali Zirkel pretty closely and Matt Hall, um, who he's originally from Eagle, but he was, a he's won the Yukon quest and he was a rookie in the Iditarod this year. He's kind of a younger guy. And so I was kind of, I, I was watching him pretty closely, but I can't, I can't say that I have a favorite necessarily. Okay. Um, do you know what the most successful podcast you've done was? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I think the last time I looked, um, one of the very first couple that we did this season uh, was was one of the higher downloaded ones, um, both because it was about kind of some of the controversy going into the race and because people, it seems like they, and maybe you guys see this too, they go back and they listen to the past episodes. Um, so when we're, when we're in the middle of the race, we're doing this daily podcast and um, people don't always listen to that day's race update. Um, it might be the freshest news, but they sometimes, depending on what their schedule is for listening to podcasts and kind of, you know, how many they maybe are listening to in a day, they might listen to like more than one or two or three. And so I think because that was the one, this, I think it was the second episode, it was about some of the controversies around the race and how this year was just especially sort of rocky for the Iditarod, um, even before the race started. I think people kind of got into the race and they were paying attention to what was happening in the race and then they kind of went back for some of the background material and that was that was one of the more popular ones. I think it was I think it was the second episode this year. Um have you ever been out on the Iditarod trail? Yeah, a couple times. Um in so in 2014 uh and in 2015 and in 2014, I was working for the Anchorage Daily News, the, the biggest newspaper in the state. 
And I love telling the story because uh, I got to fly in a helicopter the whole time. And most of the time, you are just flying in these little bush planes, um, call them bush planes because they fly to Bush, Alaska, which is kind of rural Alaska outside of the cities. And those planes, they make up this, what they call the Iditarod Air Force. And it's just everything from flying journalists around to, um, and that's like TV crews and other reporters, uh, to like the supply drop bags that, um, that the mushers send out to the volunteers and the vets and the race officials and just everybody that goes along the race. And it just kind of goes, this group of planes just flies, you know, from checkpoint to checkpoint along the way. Um, some of them don't go to every checkpoint, but, um, I was lucky enough that, um, and, and the money worked out that I was able to just go in a helicopter, which was just a fun experience, um, to, to be able to do that for nine days in the helicopter. Uh, but it was especially good for the photographer that I was with. And, you know, instead of flying by dog teams when they were out in the wilderness, um, like, like the planes do, the helicopter could kind of stop and take a picture from wherever he wanted to take a picture. So if he wanted to go up a little bit, they would go up a little bit. If he wanted to go down a little bit, he'd go down. Um, so that was fun. And then um, the race that year was the second closest finish ever. Um, and it was Dallas CV beat Ali Zirkle by about two minutes. And so that was very exciting to be able to see that. Um, and it was a, a good story, you know, to be able to tell. Um, and then the year after that, I covered the race for the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, and it was completely different. Um, the race restarted in Fairbanks that year, and that was the year I was talking about that it went to different villages that it hadn't been to before. And so it was it was fun to be able to go to these villages um, and talk to some of the elders there and talk to um, people that had been involved in dog mushing and their families and their their you know, ancestors even had been involved in dog mushing for like hundreds of years going back. Um, so, so that was, that was definitely a different experience. We, um, thing that stands out about the travel is that we flew charter planes. And so, uh, flying in and out of like hubs, uh, was very different than just going along in a helicopter where you could just ask the pilot, like, Hey, we're going to get ready to go in an hour. And you would just leave, you know, and, flying in the charter planes, you have to be there at a certain time and it's very scheduled. So it was, it was different, but that's the only two times, um, I've actually been out on the trail. Um, if you had the chance, would you participate in the Iditarod? <laughs> that's a good question too. <laughs> uh, you mean as a, like as a racer, like mm -hmm. as a musher? Yeah. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I had not thought about that. Um, because it does seem interesting. Um, it seems like a challenge. Uh, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to actually ride on the, on a dog sled, um, and do some dog mushing, but it's actually, it's really fun. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting way to get around for sure. Uh, it's quiet. Uh, you know, if you... If you've ever, I think probably in the lower 48, you call them snowmobiles up here. We call them snow machines. Um, but if you've ever been on one of those, they're loud and 
you can get around, and they're they're good tools for getting around. But they're really loud and finicky. You got to, you know, be able to deal with the motor and everything. Uh, if something breaks down, but a dog team is quiet, and you're just kind of whisking along through the wilderness. It really is a, a pretty cool way to travel, but it's a ton of work. Um, the people that are good at it, they have to take care of a lot of dogs, and um, you know, they have to clean up after a lot of dogs, and they've got to train them. Uh, they have to, you know, take them out to get a ton of exercise. Um, some of them, like the CVs, they, they train dogs year-round. Um, so it's it, for them, it's kind of it's a full-time job, whether they're doing tours. They have tour groups that come up, and they'll take them for dog sled uh, rides or um, expeditions and things. There's different mushers do kind of different, have different ways of making money um, in the off-season. But basically, that's their whole life. I mean, they're, they're pretty much tied to, uh, being a dog musher, um, I do know some some journalists that have done it um, and that have had dog teams uh, that were that were good enough to go in the Iditarod, but they, you know, they had a hard time because they just don't they couldn't spend as much time um, sort of getting their their teams tuned up, you know, um, to be like a top team or anything like that. But for a lot of people, it's just about the experience and. Um, there are a lot of dog mushers that never do anything as long as the Iditarod. Um, they might not even be into racing necessarily. Um, I think I enjoyed the time. The times I've been dog mushing, I really enjoyed it. But I don't know if I would want to spend as much time as it takes to be able to race a dog team for, especially for that far. Yeah. Okay, Casey, so we have a segment in our show called Lightning Round, and we're going to ask you some quick questions about you that you need to, like, answer as quick as you can. Okay, as quick as I can, huh? Yeah, okay, ready? I'm ready. Okay, radio or podcast? Uh, podcast. Spotify or Apple Music? Uh, Apple Music. Okay, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or Kit Kats? I had to answer this question yesterday with my wife, uh, Reese's. <laughs> okay, basketball or football? <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> basketball. Okay, Taylor Swift or Katy Perry? <laughs> what was the first one? Taylor Swift or Katy Perry? Uh, can I say neither? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Katy Perry. Okay, um, who do you think will win March Madness? Oh, I haven't been paying attention. The 11 seed that just uh, got into the Final Four. Um, Chicago, Loyola, Chicago, I think. Yeah. Okay, um, running or sledding? Running or sledding? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think sledding, because that, that sounds like less work. Okay. Um, Dallas CV or Mitch CV? Dallas CV or Mitch CV? Uh, Mitch CV. Okay. The last part of our show is Musher Mount Rushmore. You know Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. If you were asked to replace the four presidents' faces on Mount Rushmore, two faces that have made a huge impact on the Iditarod, who would you choose? You can choose mushers, volunteers, dogs, really anything. Oh, man. Um, that is a really tough question because 
so many of them. Um, I'd say Susan Butcher, for sure. Um, probably would have to put, I'd say Dan CD, um, because I want to say Mitch and Dallas, but I would say that Dan, who's, who's Mitch's dad and Dallas's grandpa, um, sort of, he was involved in, I think, the first or second I did rod and um, definitely led to Mitch and Dallas getting into it. So I'd say Dan CV, um, Joe Reddington, um, that's three. Um, and I, I guess Balto, there's a lot behind Balto, but, uh, he's sort of recognized as the, the lead dog that got the serum to Nome back in 1925, I think. Um, and a lot of people in the Iditarod would tell you that there were a ton of other dogs and that the serum run and the Iditarod are not even, that the Iditarod isn't necessarily about the serum run, but I think that it attracts so much attention to the race and it has attracted a lot of attention to just dog mushing in general that I would, I would put Balto up there as the dog. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you so much for your time and talking with us today. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was fun. I uh, hope I answered all the questions okay. Yep, thank you. Special thanks to Casey Grove for being on our show this week.